you for joining us today here at Victory. At Victory Church, we are a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. Join us as we begin today's message. Um, it's interesting when you prepare for a message, how things seem to intersect uh, that you don't expect. Um, the title of the message today is How the True Light Overcomes the Shadow of Death. If you've watched the news in the last 24 hours, there's been two mass shootings. Uh, one in El Paso, I think 20 have been murdered, 26 injured, I believe. Um, and last night at a nightclub on the outside of the nightclub, I think nine have been murdered, and I didn't see the number of those who've been injured. And uh, those are tragic. Twelve are injured. Those are tragic. They're all too common, but when I was uh, quiet time this morning, and I thought, wow, the title, The True Light Overcomes the Shadow of Death. Well, you don't have to be real smart to know what I mean by the shadow of death, okay? Not only is it evil, but is there's a shadow hanging over all of us one day that we'll all pass away unless the Lord comes back and those who know Him are brought up in the rapture. But we don't know whether those people that were murdered or injured had a relationship with the Lord. We don't know anything about their families. We don't know anything. But one thing we do know, that there's a lot of evil out there, and it seems to be increasing. And we also know that it's our job, the Great Commission, that we've been given a command to preach the gospel to all the world, to go to all the world and to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and be educating and teaching them. So today my message is just a personal one to you. It may not last very long. There are going to be three main topics I'm going to talk about, the true light or the great light. I'm going to talk about uh, overcoming the shadow of death and I'm going to talk about deliverance. Two weeks ago, God worked amongst us, and two people made a confession to the Lord for the first time in their life. So God is working amongst us, but we must be open to the Spirit of God and listen to what He says, not to what I say. But I can assure you I do the very best I can to give you the Word. It is always mixed with human thought, ideas, but ideally it comes from God to you. And we found out two weeks ago that God has been working in the hearts of some people here, even though they've been here a while, and for whatever reason, that day, they gave their life to the Lord. I would be naive to say that there may not be someone else in here that needs to give their life to the Lord. And for whatever reason, from time to time, certain messages are involved in that. I would not be naive to say that there's some of us that need to rededicate our lives to the Lord. And perhaps the message today will just give you an opportunity to do that. But before I get started, I would just like us to go to the Lord in prayer. And specifically, I want to pray for this particular message, but I want to pray for the survivors and the families of the survivors of these two tragedies. Let us pray. Lord, we welcome your spirit amongst us today. Lord, we want you to be with the survivors. We want you to be with the 
family members of those who lost their life. We ask that you be a comfort to them. We ask you open their eyes that they need to see. We ask that you open the eyes of all the world watching and looking at what happened in the last 24 hours. And that your spirit would move upon people to see your great light and your son, Jesus Christ. We ask you today to speak through me. But more importantly, through your word that does not return void. That accomplishes exactly what you wanted to accomplish and we stand here together listening to what you would have to say to us that pertains to our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As I've been going through the book of John, we're going to, talk, we're going to be in the book of John today, but the Lord led me to Isaiah and also over to Psalms. And it was interesting how this tied into what happened in the tragedies recently. But I want to start out in reading Isaiah chapter 9. In verse 2. And we'll transfer over there to John, the first chapter, verses 6 through about 9. But Isaiah 9 2, you can look on the screen. And it says here, and this is a prophecy before Jesus comes. And Isaiah the prophet said, The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light, that they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them have a light. Shine. And that prophecy was specifically in the New Testament we have today of the person of Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist, will look in a minute, he points as a witness to the light. Do we not live in darkness today? Is there not a great darkness upon our world and upon our land? Are we not all living in the shadow of death, of deep darkness have we not all at one time of our life, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ, lived in darkness, separated from your Creator, not knowing exactly why you're here, what your purpose in life is? That shadow of death it hangs over us because one day we will die. One way or another we will die and we will have an eternal destination in one direction or other. And the Scripture tells us to be with the Father or to be in a place called hell. The darkness is a pro our country. Crime, opioid epidemic, spousal abuse, child abuse, theft, robbery, murder, homosexuality, bisexuality, fornication, mischief, lying, stealing, robbery, you name it. It's all upon our land. It's all upon our world. And somehow we go along our world and think this is normal. Well, in a sense, it's normal because of sin of man from the very beginning. But it's not the normal way that God intended our life to be. So he sent a great light. He's talking about here that the people walk in darkness. Your walk is the way of your life. They were walking and did not know where they were going. It was completely dark. They didn't know why they were born. They didn't even know why they committed the sins in the life they commit. And God sent a Savior. He sent a great light, it says here in Isaiah. And that it would, the shadow of death was on people. It was on us. It's on people today. But that great light shined when the person of Jesus Christ came into the world. And John the 
Baptist, not John, the apostle who wrote the book of John, is the first one it refers to in the book of John as showing out the great light. Let's look at John. John chapter 1, verses 6. And I'm going to stop at verse 10. John 6, 1, 6 through 10. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. It's no different today as when John the Baptist came. The light prophesied in Isaiah was this light that John witnessed to, the light that would come into the world, that would change the world, also called the Lamb of God. And John was a witness to come to that, to point people toward the light today. I'm doing nothing else but pointing some of you toward the light. That light is the person of Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist, that was his job to come and point to the light. But yet it also talks about in the scripture that John said, I must decrease so that he can increase. And what we have to remember today that we have a destiny or we have a job as believers in Jesus Christ to also point people to the light. But the only way we can do that is be decreasing the importance of ourself and increasing the importance of the light. And John the Baptist came and he pointed to that great light in the person of Jesus Christ. He also says there in verse 11, He came to his own and his own received him not. The Jewish people did not receive him. The Gentile world did not receive him. And many today in our country and world do not receive him. They, many have heard of Jesus, but they don't believe he's the light. They don't believe he's the more, any more the light than Buddha's light. There's a Hindu light. There's a light of Islam. They don't believe there's no difference. Everybody thinks, everybody gets to believe what you want as long as we don't cross over on each body and don't impinge on anybody's beliefs. And if you say there's only one way, that there's only one light, and this is what John the Baptist was saying, there's only one way to heaven, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. And he's pointing out the true light, that this is the only way. John the Baptist, it said that he dressed kind of scantily, very poorly, and lived out in a desert and ate locusts and honey. I can imagine what he must have looked like. He might even look like a homeless man coming off the street here today. And he preached with fire and he pointed to the light. And I'm telling you today, there is a light. That light is shining right for you today. It's in front of your life and it's the person of Jesus Christ. And you must decrease in your value of what you think is important and allow Christ, the great light, the true light, the only light of the world to come into your life. Remember light. Do you remember who else was considered? There was an angel of light. Lucifer was considered an angel of light. A counterfeit. There are many counterfeits around you. Don't get caught up in them. We get caught up on the internet and reading about all these crazy different ideas of all these religious beliefs. 
and this, the lights here, the lights this, the light, all it is is counterfeit. John the Baptist pointed to the true light, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 106, if you'll turn there with me, the primary purpose of this message comes through Psalm 107, excuse me, 107 verses 10 through 20. Look very carefully what the psalmist David says here. He's talking about shadow of death or deep darkness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Stop. If you're sitting in darkness and you do not the light, the psalmist tells us here that you are in the shadow of death, you are in deep darkness, and you are bound like a prisoner in prison with shackles and handcuffs in your affliction, in your sin. You're trapped. You can't get out of it. And the only way you'll find a way to get out of that is the person of Jesus Christ. You can try every way. You can read every book in the library. You can read every philosopher in life, and you're still going to be bound in your shackles. You're still going to be a prisoner of sin. You still will never come out of the shadow of darkness until you look to the true light of Jesus Christ. It says that they, that means us, that they rebelled against the words of God and contempted the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart and labor, and they fell down, and there was none to help. Verse 13 says, Then they cried unto the Lord in the trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness, and the shadow of death break their bands and sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness for his wonderful works to the children of men. He hath broken the gates of brass, cut the bars of iron and sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted their soul. At Horeth, all manner of meat, and they draw near to the gates of death. We can say that the gates of hell. And they cry unto the Lord in the trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. Look at verse 11, go back. It says, They rebelled against the words of God and contempted the counsel of the Most High. Are we doing that today? Aren't we rebelling against the words of God? Aren't we always saying, Well, is that really true? That was back then. That's not now. They, they, there's no, this is not really inspired. This is just what men have written down and that we believe what happened then. We're rebelling against the Word of God. We're always trying to find something that fits our lifestyle. You know, this says we are, we're born into grace when we're born again. So we kind of feel like that we can go on and do what we wanted to, even though the words of God tell us very differently. That is the problem. Most of us have forgotten the Word of God. We don't read the Word of God. We don't pray over the Word of God. We don't study with others the Word of God. We just don't read the Bible. And that's the fact. So we are rejecting the Word of God by not knowing the Word of God. We are also we are contempt, His counsel. The Word of God is counsel to us. You know, you hear a lot about counseling today in the world. That's fine, but the best counseling is before your very eyes in a book called the Bible. It's made up of 66 smaller books. That's the best counselor. Matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 9 and 6, he said, He is a wonderful counselor. 
Those are the counseling. We need the counseling of the light today. We don't need to be contemptible to the Word of God. We need to understand it. And we need to dig in and we need to un- and try to understand it over and over and get with other Christians to learn it. And if you do not know the Word of God, how can it have transformed your life? How can you know who the light is if you haven't read about the light or you haven't heard about the light preaching? How could it, is it possible? It's not possible because we come together many times to sing, which is great, to feel good and to praise God, but we do not live out the Word of God in our life and we do not let this light that's on this piece of paper because this is the Word of God manifest in the Word, and we just go on and live our life, and we wonder why our life's in chains and shackles, why we're deep in sin, why we still have the problems we do. It's because we do not know the Word of God, and when we don't read the Word of God and we don't act on it, we're saying, in other words, we contempt you. We don't believe you. We don't believe this is real. Because of this, it says here, He brought down, in verse 12, their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. In other words, if you go into the book of Romans, it says that man, instead of worshiping God, the creator of the earth, that they can see with their own eyes, they can see the majestic clouds, the animals and everything, they decided to worship the creature instead of the creator. And God turned them over to their vile affections. He allowed men to have unseemly actions and thought with other men. He allowed women to have the same with other women. He allowed fornication. He let us do what we wanted to do because we had contempt for the Word of God and we would not let the light of God shine in our lives because we want to live the way we want to live and we don't want to be told by God what to do. Are we any different than our ancestors? Are we any different than Adam and Eve? No, we're not. Verse 18 talks about our soul. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, which is spiritual food, and draw near to the gates of hell. The battle is for your soul. It's not for your money. It's not even for your body. It's not for your thoughts. It's for your soul. There's an adversary out there that will give you false light, non-true light, and he wants your soul. And his name is Satan, the adversary called the devil. And when you reject the true light, when you reject the true light's words, you draw near to the gates of death. When you reject the true light and you die today, the Bible says that you go to a place called hell. If there's not a place called hell, my friends, there is not a place called heaven because they're both in here. And we don't like to hear about a place called hell because it doesn't sound good. It's against our intellectual thoughts sometimes. Could that really be true? But we'll say we like this in the Bible. We like this in God's Word. But that one over there I'm not sure about. That's contempt for God's Word. Because He's telling you, what is it you think my light came to save you from? 
He didn't come to save you from financial stress. He didn't come to save you necessarily for health. He came to save your soul so that when you die and I die, we'll go to be at a place with the Father, a place called heaven. But if you reject Him, if you reject the true light, you will go to a place called hell where they're weeping and they're gnashing of teeth. And this is what the Word of God says. But there's an answer. There's a deliverance for our situation. Verse 19 and 20 gives us the answer. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of the darkness. He sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let's look at this. Here's how we are delivered today. If you do not know the person of Jesus Christ, here is how you are delivered from heaven, into heaven, from a place called hell, and from the shadow of darkness. You cry unto the Lord. Have you been there? Has things in your life been so bad that you just had to get down by yourself on your knees and say, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I know, I know I'm living wrong. I'm being convicted. And you drop to your knees and you cry out and you ask for help. Because you can't save yourself. There's nothing you can do good enough. I'm sure we've got a group of people in here do a lot of good. But that good in itself, the Bible says in Isaiah, is as filthy rags before God. So our goodness cannot save us. Only the goodness of God and the grace of God can save us. We cry out to the Lord. And He saves us from these troubles, these sins. He saves us our distresses. He saves us from the shadow of death over your life. That evil that's in your life if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that shadow, you've seen what a shadow looks like. If you do not know the light, the true light of Jesus Christ, that shadow is on your head right now. And that shadow is waiting and hoping that your soul never cries out to the Lord Jesus Christ because the day you pass is too late. The shadow is taking you to the deep darkness and separation from a God, a place called hell. And how does he do this? He sends his word to you. Today the word has been preached to you and he has sent it to you. And I know it's a hard preaching. Hard preaching for me is easy, personality-wise. But sometimes I can't imagine John the Baptist just singing a song and playing a harp. That's not who John the Baptist was when you look in here. He pointed things out to people. He pointed to the true light. And he told the listeners, if they didn't listen to him to where the true life it is, where they would end up. And I'm asking you today to listen to me. And listen to the Spirit of God that's talking in your heart. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no hope. If you do know the true light and you come to the true light and the true light shines upon you, there is hope. Everlasting hope to be with the Father in a place called heaven. And it says He healed them. When you accept the true light in your life, your soul and your heart is healed. See, before, it was callous. It was kind of like you're branding a calf. And you've seen them. If you haven't been there yourself, they've got that hired iron, and they stick it into the skin, and it leaves a tremendous amount of scar tissue. Okay? 
That's what our heart is like when it's not healed. And the more you live away from God and believe that you can save yourself and live in sin, the more scar tissue gets harder, more callous, more difficult. There's no way you and I can heal that heart. There's no way you and I can heal that calloused heart. But when God sends the word to you and you respond, you're healed. And that heart becomes a new heart. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. The heart is completely soft and palatable and can be used for whatever God wants it to be used for. And after He heals it, He delivers you from your destructions. He delivers you from your destructive lifestyle. He delivers you from trying to be religious and saving yourself. He delivers you from all the sins that you've committed and will commit for the rest of your life. That is what happens to you and I. And how do you do this? How do I accept this great light? How do I do this? It's simply you receive Him. The Scripture says in John, as many as received Him, they become the children of God, even to those who believed on His name. You don't come and do something. The only reason an altar is here, friends, is kind of like a point of contact. Just to show others publicly and to show yourself that you're willing to take a step from destruction, from the shadow of death, from darkness, and to step into the great and the true life of the person of Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus came, He came as a baby. He was 100% God and 100% man. And don't ask me how that can be because I can't answer that question. No one can answer the question. The book of Philippians, and Paul says that He came and He emptied Himself out and became a man. He didn't even feel like it was robbery to himself. He did it intentionally. The second part of the Holy Trinity, the Son, Jesus, he limited himself for a while to be like a man, and yet he was tempted in every way, every thought, every possible way you and I could be tempted. And yet, he didn't succumb to any temptation because that was what was required to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament, that lamb, they sacrificed a lot of animals. And see, that doesn't appeal to many people because they call it a bloody religion. But yet, things don't need to make sense to us. They only need to make sense to God why He does that. And Jesus Christ was the sinless lamb that died for your sins and my sins. And he came to a place called Golgotha or Calvary, and he died on a cross. He died a terrible death. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was stabbed. He was ridiculed. He was made fun of. But if you'd have been the only one on earth, according to Scripture, he would have come and died for you. You know the Scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life and he was buried in a tomb and after three days there was a bodily resurrection 
He came back to life. He overcame not only the shadow of death, He overcame death for you and I, whereas in the Scripture it says, Oh, death, where is your sting? You see, when we finally pass, our bodies are going to deteriorate. But we're going to go be with the Lord. And that eternal death passed over us. This shadow of death will be completely removed from your life. And many people saw him, his disciples and many others, and saw miracles that he did when he was resurrected. And the disciples saw him, according to the word of God, go up to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. You see, the book of John in this whole book is a book about Jesus coming to revealing the Father and telling you about the love of the Father. For whatever reason, God knew all this was going to happen. He knew Adam and Eve would do what they do, and he found a way for all of us out of our shadow of death. He found a way for us to get out of the evil. It doesn't mean your life is never going to have any trouble. It just means that you have an eternal destiny with God the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. If today the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you and has tugged at your heart, don't sit there. Don't let it pass by. I wonder if there was anybody in those people who died in those two communities that was at a church service the previous week or on a Wednesday night somewhere and someone offered them the salvation and they didn't do it. I don't know. I thought about that this morning. Could it be possible? It's possible. Is it likely that you and I will be killed in a massacre? Probably not. But somebody has been. Is it likely that you might have a car accident today? Is it likely to you you have a heart attack and unexpectedly die at a younger age? Is it likely you live to age 100? I don't know. But if you're going to live to age 100, why would you want to live under the shadow of death for another 50, 60, or 70 years? But you don't know, do you? We just don't know. As the worship team comes forward, I'm going to give you an opportunity today to come before the Lord and accept Him, to receive Him. Totally receive Him. In this reception of Him, the Word of God says this, But as many as received them, to them He gave the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which are, were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. In other words, your transformation will be a spiritual one, and it's not of your own power. It's on the power of God. If you need to rededicate yourself today to the Lord, and he's worked on your heart today, then come forward. Have this be your point of contact. If you need to be a member of our church and you want us to recognize you for that, please come as they sing.